Hi everyone, welcome back. I have Robin here with me today and we are going to be discussing the topic of OCD and OCD is actually what, it's not what you think it is. So Robin will go into uh, more of a discussion on that. Hi, um, I'm Robin, I'm 22 years old and I'm studying, well just gone to the Faculty of Architecture uh, so I'm really excited about that and I'm here today to share my personal story and my struggles and my strengths with OCD. Um, I was 11 years old when I first noticed something wasn't quite um, working well within my brain chemistry and my body and what I mean by that is I was having like intrusive thoughts um, and those intrusive thoughts um, outlined in terms of what they were. It was th like scared that if something bad were to happen to someone in my family or like my friends and I would be at fault for it for some reason and like different scenarios of like how bad things would happen. For example, like what if someone I loved drowned or what if someone I loved was like killed somehow in an accident. and I kept having these intrusive thoughts and obsessing over them and just constant worry. And I would have compulsions where I'd have to not eat certain things, dress a certain way, or move things in a different position so nothing bad would, would happen, essentially. And um, the reason why, one of the main reasons why I wanted to come on here is because a lot of the media we see nowadays, like movies and um, on the news and other outlets, is we see OCD as being this quote unquote neat freak type of lifestyle, but that's not what it really like is. Um, there, like, there are OCD, there is OCD where it is like symmetry, where it talks about like symmetry and things having to be certain like in terms of cleaning and I'm not disregarding that because that's also that also is outlined within OCD but that's not just OCD like you know what I mean when I say that yeah like there's so many different types of OCD and like I wasn't diagnosed with it until this year by a psychiatrist but I know I've been living with it for since I was 11 so it's been quite an up and down ride. Um, I'm currently on two medications for it, which is escitalopram and Abilify. And they've been really helping me. And it's always good that to have a support system behind you. Like I have great friends and great family that have helped me through this journey. And I'm glad I am on here today to talk about this on this platform. Awesome. Well, thank, thanks for sharing some of that and yeah that is true you think about OCD as you know that you have to be you're specific about certain things you're very particular about things and while that is true because it is yeah. there is that 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 type for sure there it can manifest in different ways and I've said that with other disorders I've spoken about previously that mm -hmm. they manifest in different ways how it looks like with you does not specifically look the same way with somebody else. Like it looks, I, I specifically in regards to depression is what I spoke about. The way mm -hmm. I was is not necessarily how it is for other people, right? Exactly. So everybody is different. Our brain chemistry is all different. We're all different people. So a disorder is not going to look a specific way. There's certain, I guess, traits of the disorder that are probably similar between, you know, each individual right um but it's not necessarily not everything about it is the same like what what do you think is just one similarity between you know the type that everyone thinks you know like the cleaning ocd versus the one that you have what do you think is maybe one small similarity between the two that you would think both of them are like ocd in your well opinion? right away what comes to like what comes to me is the compulsions in terms of things having to be in a certain place because I do know people who do have that other type of OCD where things do have to be in a certain place and they have to be clean 
And I've, I, I have had that, um, I've had those compulsions before. So it's definitely similar. Like there are similar compulsions sometimes. And I've noticed that. And I'm very well aware of it now. And like, I used to, like when this first happened to me, I thought right away. And again, I was 11 years old, so I didn't know anything about mental health. I had no idea what, I didn't really know what obsessive compulsive disorder was. And I didn't know like about other mental health issues or other mental health disorders. So when I first like developed this, when it came into my life, I right away thought, and again, like, excuse me, because I was 11 years old, I thought I was quote unquote crazy mm-hmm. or, and that there was something seriously wrong with me. And I don't like using that label crazy, but being 11 years old, I thought that. Mm-hmm. So it, it was really scary. Like, I don't know why this happened. And I was just trying to search for answers. I just thought, oh my gosh, I have something seriously wrong with me. And I I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So I kept quiet about it for, for a pretty, pretty long time. And I was scared to tell people, um, what I was dealing with because I didn't know what they were going to think of me or what they were going to label me as. So I didn't really talk about it for a long time until probably sometime last year and now this year, yeah. I opened up more about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and it's, it's almost like a sigh of relief when you find out what it actually is, because you mm-hmm. think all these things are wrong with you and you're just like in your head about it. Yeah. And like, and it's almost all you can think about because it affects your daily life. So you're like, okay, what is this? You're just like, constantly thinking about it as you get older you're like maybe googling some symptoms and you're like what is this what is happening and you're just like so desperate searching for answers just trying to like almost have like a solution to it yeah to make it stop so it's almost like a sigh of relief when they're like oh you have this and then it's nice though because some people some people might think of it as like well, why would you be happy or relieved that you got diagnosed with a mental disorder, right? And you, the sigh of relief comes from the fact that once you know what it is, you can address it, right? So it's like, not only that they are they telling you what is going on, but they can all, they're also going to present you with all these things that can be done to alleviate the symptoms, right? Because obviously there's no cure for mental disorders it's the way it is but there is ways that you can control it and alleviate the symptoms so it's almost like they're non-existent right it almost feels like it's no longer there so it's nice that you're presented with all these options that's like we can do all of this so it's like wow finally there's things that can be done to address what happened and now i know what's going on so it it Mm -hmm. in a sense like it makes you feel really good it's not that you're happy that you have one but you're just like you have answers you have a possible solution and yeah. then you're like wow maybe I can finally like get my life on track basically yeah is what you feel I think that's pretty I, I think that's pretty accurate for most people oh exactly and like once I was diagnosed with it there was like oh it felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders and I was finally like okay I now know what this is and what it has manifested into over the years. And now that I'm getting the help that I need, I can have a better control over it. And I'm also on meds now, like I said before. So that has really, really helped. And I'm very grateful that um, I reached out about it. Mm-hmm. The, the, um, for anyone who suffers, who is suffering right now, with OC at a young age, it does get better. And I want them to know that, mm-hmm. especially if it's because OCD doesn't just happen when you're a preteen. It can also um, start to develop in kids as well. And even though I developed it 
as a preteen, you know, starting puberty and, you know, different things happening to my body. I want those kids and preteens or even teenagers or adults who are dealing with it to know that it does get better. It's, it, it, but it's a marathon. You'll have, up, you'll have ups and downs, but yeah, it, it does get better eventually. Yeah, and I think, and that's true for, I guess, most, most disorders. I mean, some, some of them, you know, there's some that are more severe than others. Oh, of course. Honestly, like, won't, you know, we won't get into the whole thing, but like, you know, you know, certain disorders like dementia and Alzheimer's and stuff like that, like that's kind of off the table when we're speaking about this, but I, I, a lot of mental disorders that I, you know, are not like neurodevelopmental disorders per se, those, there's, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel with those, but you have to be willing to put in the work. And I have, the amount of times I have seen, um, you know, for example, uh, depressed individuals online that I know personally, and I know for a fact they have really just like not really done anything to better themselves. And they're always posting online how like, I wish it would get better, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, I have, I have, I'm a sympathetic individual. I have sympathy for a lot of people, most people for most things. That is who I am as a person. And obviously going into therapy, I have to be sympathetic, but I'm sympathetic to an extent when I know it takes time to come to the conclusion that something is wrong and you need to address it. But there are people who never do. And they're just like, they just are more comfortable, I guess, living in that bubble because it's all they ever knew instead of addressing it and then it gets to a point where it gets really bad right and of course it's easier said than done i've been there it took me a while right obviously it took you a while it takes it's not something that you decide upon but i just think we need to as like everyone as a whole especially people that are struggling that all they do is mention how much they're struggling i think we need to you know if you know something is wrong then stick to your gut. Like, don't ignore it. I think that's so important. Stick to your gut, go with it because you know your body, you know yourself better than anyone. So if you think something is wrong, then you should be taking care of yourselves and we should take care of ourselves like we do when we're sick. The brain can get sick just like our bodies can get sick, right? Think about it as your brain has a flu, a, flu, a really bad flu that doesn't go away, right? So it's like the brain can get sick. So let's, you know, we have to place an importance on like taking care of our brain. So if something is wrong, stick with it, run with it, try to contact somebody. And I really, I know some people, okay, it takes research, obviously, but I hear a lot of people being like, not everyone can afford therapy. I've done research. There are a lot of places in our city that offer therapy based on your financial income. Their therapy sessions as low as $13, a whole hour for $13, which is the money that you would have spent on Starbucks. You know what I mean? So basically that's like, it's like, you know, something's wrong, do your research or reach out to someone who's maybe gone through the whole process. And there is a way that you can do stuff like that. If you get put on a wait list for something, because the wait lists here are very long, to, you know, get an assessment and all that sort of stuff. That's a long process. My waiting period, it's even longer now. My waiting period at the time was nine months. I think now the waiting periods are like a year and a half uh, for assessments. So it's really long. But in the meantime, you can still go see a therapist. You don't have to, you're not going to be on a wait list. There's a lot of therapists out there that are accepting new clients. And you can, you can just work on that in the meantime until you wait for, you know, a diagnosis, I know you want it right away and it is so difficult to wait that long, but like if you can work on it in the meantime, it's so helpful because I was actually in therapy um, before and during the waiting process until I got in to actually get, you know, see a psychiatrist, get the diagnosis, get the medication and all that. And obviously that helped a lot more, but 
I probably would have been in a lot worse of a situation mentally if I wasn't in therapy leading up to it because that's a long time to wait. So it's like the faster you address it, the better. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I mean, like I said before, I understand it takes people a long time and it took me a long time. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to shame anyone for taking their time, but it, if, if it, I'm just saying, if it's affecting your daily functioning, then like, please not for me, but for yourself, for yourself, just like, if it's affecting your daily functioning, please, please, please go do something just something <laughs> because it's just you're gonna thank yourself in the long run because once it affects your daily functioning that's when it is a problem that's exactly when it's a problem the daily functioning aspect so yeah that's my whole little rant <laughs> yeah no um i think it all depends on the situation though mm-hmm. um it all and it, it's everyone has a different story and I definitely recognize that and it's it yeah like you were saying address it as fast as well it's better to address it as fast as you can and as as easy I know and like you said before easier said than done and that brings that um reminds me when I was 11 and dealing this from 11 and on and I don't mean to get emotional about this I try not to but I still do mm-hmm. I and I I told you this before. Um, I always thought because I struggled with this from 11 to now, did I miss out on those, like, you know, those years you're supposed to have a good time in high school with your friends. And there's a lot of guilt with it Mm -hmm. because you feel like you can't, like, I'm not going to blame anyone, but you, you blame yourself. Yeah. And I always wonder, because I didn't get the help that I needed before, is it my fault that I missed out on things mm-hmm. mentally? And I try to tell myself it's not my fault, but it's hard to believe that. And I still, yeah, like, till to this day I try to tell myself it's not your fault Mm -hmm. but it's it is hard yeah like it is hard to believe sometimes yeah and again I never like I didn't wake up asking for OCD like I didn't wake up asking to have this um mental health issue yeah so I kind of just have to tell myself that every day yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and no one, and no one's asking for it by any means. Like it's just something that happens just, just like, you know, how we talked about our bodies getting sick early. No one asks to get the flu or whatever, right? Like nobody asks for that or like breaking your arm. I mean, unless you're doing something stupid, then maybe kind of asking for it, breaking your arm. But I mean, like, you're not, you're not asking for these things. And you, you do think that, you missed out on a few good years and I've, I felt the same way. I, I eventually got over that, but I thought the same way. I'm like, could I have had a better time in school or just like in general, could I have had more friends? Like all that sort of stuff. If I didn't, obviously we put a huge emphasis on it as like deal with it as fast as you can. But obviously when you're that young, it's different because you, you literally don't know like you have no like comprehension of like mental illness mental disorders all of that and like at that age too you don't really know yourself that well because as an adult you you tend to know yourself a lot better but at that age you're still trying to figure out what your personality is you're still trying to figure out what who you are where you're going in life who you want to associate with that you know that's the identity crisis phase in that sense right when you're that young so when you're young, it is really, really hard to just be like, something's wrong. I'm going to go deal with it. And because if we, as young people, we do not rationalize well, um, either. So it's not like we were kind of smart enough to be like, Hey, something's wrong. I'm going to go fix it. Like that is not something young people do because it's not some, our brains are not fully developed to really deal with that. 
or understand it or know what to do. We're just kind of in the, I don't know, it's a confusing time at that age. So I like, I feel that, I mean, what I was saying before, I guess I should have specified, but it was mainly geared towards adults in, in that uh, situation. Like it, like kind of like once like you're in your twenties sort of thing, um, and older, um, more of, more of that because you know yourself, you know, your body and you know, when something's wrong, like at this, at this age, for the most part, you been through school and all this stuff, you've hit puberty, your brain's like pretty much developed for the most part. So it's like, at this point in time, we know when something is wrong and there's so many more resources now than there used to be when we were younger. So, um, and obviously I say, what I say about the addressing it fast, it's not, like I said before, it's not to shame anyone. It's a, just like a really good suggestion that like, do not, cause there's people that brush it off. I'm saying for the people that brush it off, do not brush it off. Like, like it, you might not think it is a big deal right now, but it could really, really affect you in the future, long-term, short-term, whatever it may be. And it really sucks when it gets severe. Like when a mental disorder gets so severe, you do not want to be in that boat. You don't want to be. It's like, this is not meant to scare people, but like, that's not a place you want to be. So it sucks. It is hard to get out of. So that's why I'm saying, so you're not in that deep hole. That's hard to get out of. At least if you're not in that deep of a hole, you can probably come out of it a lot quicker and it would just prevent it from getting worse. You know, learning those skills, um, kind of early on. Like I almost like wish like not wish, but it's almost would have been better if like I developed this stuff later. Cause then maybe I would have been like, wow, I could have dealt with it right away and maybe saved myself from like going into like a deep dark hole that was super hard to get out of. But yeah, I can't think about it that way. It's just things happen for a reason. That is my strong belief. I'm a big, big believer that things happen for a reason. And for the longest time, same as you, I was like, why did this happen to me? And I, I think now, I think now I understand why it happened to me. I don't know. I think my, my purpose in life, I think was to go into the field I'm going into and go into therapy. I honestly think if I hadn't gone through that, I don't think I would have found, you know, a love for the field. Like, I don't think I would have fallen in love with that field. Like the people that helped me where I'm at today are the people I want to be and do the same for other people like me, you know? So if it wasn't for that, like, I think that was the big reason as to why I got hit hard the way that I did. And it was really, it was young, but still, I think it was, I had to grow up fast because of it. You have to learn to grow up fast. You, you mature a lot quicker. Um, and I got told that when I was younger too, like my mom's friends and stuff like that were always like, you're like, your brain is like years ahead of, you know, your age sort of thing. Like I got that comment so much. It's because like, I pretty much did have to grow up fast because I had to deal with the stuff that was going on inside my head. And when you're young and your brain, you're at war with your brain is very difficult because you're already at war with yourself because you're trying to figure yourself out during the puberty phase and everything. Right. But to be at war with your brain too, it's very, very exhausting. So we learn to grow up quick. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's, that's the whole thing. We can't, we can't blame ourselves. We can't think about, we want to think about what ifs all the time and, you know, anxious individuals such as myself and, you know, the OCD does give you anxiety as well. Like, I think we're always going to somehow think what if, what if, because it's an anxiety thing to do. Also, it's a curious person thing to do, but we have to try to not or reduce the what ifs. Because it's like, at this point, it's like, this happened, maybe think about the lesson, the lesson as to why this happened, look at the positives and instead of the negative. And that's what I learned. It's like, what can I get out of this? Right? What can I do? What can I get? What did this teach me? And then it's just going to change your whole outlook on everything and I know you you just got diagnosed this year so you are you know that is a huge huge step towards healing and I would say no one is I mean people can correct me if I'm wrong in my opinion I don't know I will say I don't know 
I don't know if someone can be fully healed, like a hundred percent healed. I, I don't know if that's possible. I have no clue. I would like to think that it's possible or to get really close to it at least. So like, I would say I'm, I'm decent. I'm, I'm decently healed from it, but that was after years of knowing it. Right. It's, it's almost like things actually get so much better after you find out what is going on. So it's like you finding out this year and then just, there's so many good things coming your way after that that it's like i i don't know if you've seen them yet but if and if you have a little bit or if you haven't at all it, it, you're gonna see so many good things afterwards like uh, honestly it, it's gonna change your life completely like literally your life will do a 360 but like in the best way possible obviously there's gonna be ups and downs a hundred percent always is but honestly like it just from that point on it just i don't know it's like a door is open Basically, I don't, I don't know if you feel that yet, but a door really will open for you. I think it is opening for you. Yeah. And I just wanted to say uh, about OCD, when it comes to intrusive thoughts, um, there's a book my psychiatrist uh, referred me to, and it, I think it's called like mindfulness with OCD. And there is a part in one of the chapters that say thoughts are just thoughts. Um, they don't define you. So an intrusive thought, like everyone gets bad thoughts, but it's about to what degree do they bother you and obsessing over them doesn't help. But when you have OCD, it's hard not to obsess over them and it's hard not to question yourself and why you're having these thoughts. But I had to, I have to keep reminding myself that intrusive thoughts are just intrusive thoughts. They're not who, they're not a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And I have to separate my wise brain. They were like, my psychiatrist was telling me, think of OCD as that you have two brains. You have a wise brain, which is truly you, and you have an OCD brain. And the thing is, I have to remind myself every day, like I said, that thoughts are just thoughts. They don't define who I truly am. So that's one thing that's helped me a lot through this journey. And I do recommend people who are struggling with OCD, any type of OCD, to get this type of book or just any book about OCD, because you could really learn a lot. And I learned so many things just recently that I had no idea about. So I'm very grateful in that sense that I was able to learn these things. And um, I really hit my downfall this year in May. I had to go to the crisis response center. And this was before the book, before I was referred to a psychiatrist. I had to go to the crisis response center. I went twice and there's amazing people there. Um, everyone there is just so helpful, so understanding. And for anyone who is struggling with OCD or any type of mental health issue and you are in, you just feel like nothing's working out right now. And whether it's due to COVID or other reasons, I definitely recommend talking to people at the crisis response center if you're having a really bad day because those people are amazing and they really, really help you. Yeah, they're, they're trained in, um, in like trauma and crisis response, um, yes. which, um, you, know, of, you know, what's happening in our world right now with the police and how the, the police should probably not be handling um, wellness checks. Uh, that, that's a topic of conversation and I think you know you bringing up the crisis response team as you know obviously the crisis response team if you know they do show up and somebody is um probably gonna put them in danger obviously the police is better to be equipped with that but you never know so it's almost like police need training like mental health training right because it's like I do agree that to a certain extent the police should be there because you don't know what you're walking into, right? For sure. You don't know. Um, so, but I think, you know, instead of resulting, you know, coming to the conclusion that like, Oh, I should be forceful, which you shouldn't be ever. Like there's really no reason to do it. Um, I think they need mental health training. I think they need crisis and trauma 
training, like the crisis response center team has, like the exact same training they get sort of thing, um, because they are able to kind of soothe you and calm you down, right? And I think that's super important because when you get to a point where you're like out of options and you're like, what do I do? And you're just like, you're literally in a panic. They are able to just bring that down and be like, let's reassess things sort of thing. And and they're not biased, right? Like they don't, they, they don't really know you. They're just trying to better your situation and trying to kind of guide you in that sense so when you went there is that the time where you were like this like i can't do this anymore like this like this i gotta fix this now like is that what yeah you'd be like this needs to be fixed like now i hit a point where i didn't know what to do anymore and i it's just so hard to put into words the feelings that I were, that I was feeling that day, like the first day I went there and the second day I went there. And I just felt like I hit a breaking point and I was like, enough is enough. And I know I need to deal with this better. Mm -hmm. So I went there and they were so helpful and they gave me the resources that I needed. They, um, got me a reference to my psychiatrist who I have now. And she was able to give me the meds that I needed. And I just am so grateful that I took the steps to getting where I am now. Mm -hmm. And that, and that, and that's super important because you, you kind of think that you can, we are human beings are very stubborn, some more than others. I know for myself anyway, I am very very stubborn i am spanish so i'm very stubborn just how it is and i did not want to accept like defeat in a sense i didn't want to accept defeat i didn't want to accept help i was like i can do this on my own it's fine i've got this and it's like in reality my brain is sick i don't got this like not on like i need i need help with it like i do got this but i need assistance right like i need resources i need a good support system I need someone to talk to that's not biased, that doesn't know me, like a therapist or a psychiatrist or whoever it may be, right? So it's kind of like we have to just like almost in a sense not wave the surrender flag, but just like, I don't know, I wish there was like a flag in between, you know, surrender and like winning or whatever <laughs> and just being like, all right, like I'm kind of almost giving up, but like I need help so I can get the winning flag, you know, so like not wave the surrender flag, but like the middleman flag and be like, okay, hello, help me so I can go to the top of the mountain and wave the winning flag and being like, I did this, I addressed this, I got this. You know what I mean? That's like a nice little thing I just thought of in my head. That's like, it's just like, and it's not, we have to stop being so stubborn sometimes so we can help ourselves and address everything because being stubborn does not always help. <laughs> in my case, it did not do anything for me. So I'm glad I was able to take a step back and being like, okay, maybe I don't got this on my own <laughs> sort of thing. So it's nice to kind of laugh about these things. For me, it's like a few years in the past. So it's nice to kind of laugh about it and be like, you know, it's nice that I was able to be like, okay, no longer stubborn. Let's like, Hello, help me. <laughs> yeah. I like to laugh about those things. And uh, just wanting to touch upon about medication, even though right now I'm on escitalopram and Abilify, I have tried other ones before, um, such as Prozac. And you and I were talking about this before, and Prozac didn't really help me. Um, but what it did to me, though, is I felt like it was numbing the front of my brain I just felt numb yeah and that was pretty much the only side effect uh that that I was having yeah but the meds I'm on now work tremendous they work wonders and like I'm like it depends like meds work differently for everyone not everyone's the same so 
sometimes even though Prozac didn't work for me, it may help someone. It may, yeah, it, it may help someone else or yeah. escitalopram may not work for someone else, but it's working for me. Yeah. So I, medication works different, differently on different people. And just because one medication doesn't work for you doesn't mean another one won't. There's always yeah. hope out there. You just got to try to see which one works best for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, a hundred percent. And also we're not, we're not going to go out here and say that like everyone needs medication. And that is not the, I know it's, I, I'm, I, I always, I always clarify this because people are going to be like, Oh, testing meds. Yeah. That's always, oh, yeah, no, I, know, yeah. I, know, I know. I'm not saying you are, <laughs> you definitely yeah. are not, but we were just addressing what works, you know, the things we've spoken about, you know, the things you spoke about today, the things I've spoken about before, we are not saying that you need medication or that you need yeah, medication yeah. to get better. And sometimes it's better. It's almost better if you're not on it, depending on your situation, right? Like, cause you do have to experiment. Some things may not work for you. Some things might work for somebody else. You know what I mean? And sometimes you don't need medication. And I do believe, and I think I've touched upon this before. I think medication should be the last resort. And a lot of psychiatrists nowadays are really quick to be like, let's put you on meds right away. And like, I don't agree with that. And actually a lot of people in my class, which are, you know, we're, we're therapists in training right now. We don't agree with that. Most of us don't. They're actually trying to change the way they do things now. Um, and hopefully it'll change, um, within the next couple of years, uh, to a point where medication is not the first thing they do because while medication can better some of the symptoms, it doesn't really address what's going on in your head. Not necessarily. Um, so you need, that's why like, I think it's so important that like therapy hundred percent. And then it's like, if you're just, it's so severe, pair it with medication, you know, pair it with medication. And it, ultimately though, it's not up to you. It's up to the psychiatrist. You can't suggest and be like, I need meds. That is not how it works. But I feel like, you know, psychiatrists are now, going to try to get better at it to be like okay let's try some therapy for a couple weeks if it's just so severe I can't sometimes when they do see you at the assessment you're already so severe and they see that so you automatically put medication with the therapy right because that's because that's what happened to me but I had done therapy on my own for probably like a year before I went in for the assessments. I was already in therapy for like a year. And then I went in and my case was just so severe and they could tell. So they were like, you know, you're already in therapy, but we think we're going to put you on something and try that out for like, I think it was like nine, 10 months, something like that. Almost the near one year period to try it out, to be like, okay, let's see if this does anything. Because in my case, it's like therapy wasn't, it was helping, but it was not enough. And that's what happens with certain people. It is not, sometimes it's not enough. And I'm sure, you know, for you with the intrusive thoughts, like therapy isn't always enough, but you know, it is possible that you'll come to a point where you'll, you'll no longer need the medication and you just do therapy, which is what happened in my case. Like, obviously it's not a disorder where you need to be on medication your whole life. Because for example, like bipolar individuals, if you have bipolar, usually you do have to do medication the rest of your life. Cause that's the only way your mood swings and everything can be balanced. That's literally the only way. Um, but you know, for us, although there's a lot of brain chemistry involved with it, we are kind of able to, in a sense, alter it ourselves, um, that we learn through the therapy, but you know, some people's are just so bad that you have to, like, I know people who have been depressed for years and they still have to be on medication and they might have to the rest of their, their lives. It, it depends on the individual every situation is different, right? Like in my case, it changed, but it's like, at this point though, you don't know what can happen either, right? It's not like I'm going to be medication free for the rest of my life. It's like at this point in time I am, but it's like, you don't know if you'll go back to it or not. Hopefully not, but it just depends. There's always ups and downs with it. It's not just like, oh, I'm cured. (laughs) And that's not, that is not how it works. We all wish, we all wish it could be as easy as like, you know, take a pill, we feel better, we're fine <laughs> for the rest of our lives. And that's realistically not how it works. And unfortunately, for 
us or for me anyway I always thought about you know because my mom's side has a lot of mental illness in it and that comes into play you know with me obviously I mine was also the environment I was in as well but there's a few factors but I would say for me it's like I know that there is a possibility because it runs in the family that when I have kids there is a possibility that that could be passed on to them and while I've actually had somebody ask me they're like why would you want to pass it on to your kids I've been asked that and that's actually a very good question I don't even think that's that bad question I think it's a very good question and for me I look at it as you know what I have a good understanding of it I know what it looks like right I've been through it I've addressed it I you know I do all I can to take care of myself so I'm gonna see it right I'm gonna see it I'm going to, and even if I don't, I'm actually going to talk to my kids about it when they reach a certain age, probably when they're teenagers, when they understand things a little bit better. Um, I'm probably going to have a conversation with them about what I went through. So they know. And maybe if they happen to be feeling the same way, they could be like, hey, mom, I felt this. I feel this. And maybe I could save my kids from getting into such a severe hole, right? Like I did. Maybe that could prevent them because I... I don't necessarily look at my issues as a bad thing because I think like we said before it has me it has allowed me to mature a lot younger and I feel like my thought process in a sense is better because I think about things in such an an extraordinary way because of what I went through so I think that has worked to my advantage now maybe not back then but i think now that's worked to my advantage so like if i can you know help my kids if they go through that in that way then maybe we can make a difference with the future generations right if we are able to speak to our children because our parents didn't quite have an understanding of mental illness either right it kind of started with us it did start with us that's when the whole conversation came about was with us Mental illness became more of a larger thing while we were like early high school, really. Before that, didn't really get talked about much. So if we can pass that on to our kids, maybe we can reduce the stigma as time goes on and maybe there'll be more resources available and we can kind of save our future kids from getting so severe. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And uh, speaking of therapy, uh, one thing I want to mention was CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, has really helped me manage my OCD and CBT um, I've heard has been highly recommended for other mental health disorders slash issues as well and the one thing I really like about cognitive behavioral therapy is it's from what I'm doing right now it's very interactive so I feel like I benefit from that Mm -hmm. and I'm able to ask myself questions if I am If I do get an intrusive thought, I can ask myself now, how much am I going to let this thought bug me for the rest of the day? I used to not be able to do that. So now, like, I'm very grateful that I've also um, have been able to access this kind of help. Yeah. And kind of therapy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, again, it's. Yeah, you speaking about cognitive behavioral therapy, I, yeah, cognitive ther- behavioral therapy, I can't speak, oh my god, <laughs> it's been, it's been used for many, many disorders, it has actually been proven to be one of the most successful approaches used, obviously the other ones, like mindfulness is actually becoming really big as well, um, there, there's a few out there, and obviously as we go on, they're going to discover more and more approaches, um, there's a few really good ones out there, but yeah, CBT is used for a lot of stuff. Um, so that's, you know, something that a lot of therapists will look into. There's actually self-help books on like CBT. So you can actually like learn yourself too, because it's CBT is like almost it's so you can change your perception on things, right? It's, it, it changes your, the way you think into a more positive way, right? So it, it changes your kind of outlook on life in a sense that's what it's geared to do so there's a lot of books 
for CBT, there's a lot of research like online about it. Um, a lot of therapists will use it. I think there's actually like a CBT clinic in Winnipeg. Yeah, there, there is. It's yeah, the Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Institution. Yes, yes, that's mm-hmm. right. That's right. I did it for my I did it for my my group project. I remember seeing CBT Manitoba, I think it's called. Yeah. CBT Manitoba. Um, so there's that as well. Um, I wanted to, I mean, I don't know if you're comfortable sharing, this is like up to you, but like what kind of, if not, if you don't want to share your own example, you can make up an example. So up to you, but what kind of intrusive thoughts have you had sort of thing? Yeah, no worries. To give people, because people that might be listening could be like, wow, I I think that, or I've thought that. No. Whatever. No, I think that's an excellent question. Well, like I've had, that. yeah, I've had intrusive thoughts about, um, again, like what if something bad happens to my mom and dad? Example, what if they got into a car accident? Mm-hmm. Um, or if my sister got into a car accident? Or what if I accidentally harmed someone? Like I accidentally hit a pedestrian on the street, yeah. uh, which I actually found out is a common one. That, oh, wow. That's, um, I've, read that's a common thought before not saying oh you shouldn't be having these thoughts and none of these thoughts are common they are yeah like you can have any intrusive thought but those are the ones I've had and I've had ones about my dog as well I've had some about my friends mm-hmm. uh ones that, like what if my friend gone to a car accident or what if like we were swimming and one of my friends drowned mm-hmm and just so many different ones um that have really that have really bothered me but cbt has really helped me analyze these thoughts and to see them in a different way mm-hmm. which i'm thankful that i can see those now in a different perspective but that's pretty much my story and for anyone who is struggling out there right now with any mental health issue or many or any disorder, there's always help and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And try not to cry, but I I kind of wish like if there was a time machine, yeah, I could go back and tell my 11 year old self that. Mm-hmm. it's going to be okay yeah and I feel the same way when I see pictures of myself sorry sorry when I see pictures of myself mm-hmm. at that around that age and older like 11 12 13 14 etc and on I just want to hug that robin and just say it's going to get better yeah and what you're struggling with is valid and this isn't your fault mm-hmm and that's it just, what we need to keep telling ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Always. So, yeah. Yeah, that's... Always in the back of our... That's always in the back of our head. So, yeah, I think that's something yeah. we always have to tell ourselves. Just being like, it's not your fault. It's going to be fine. And just like... And that's the whole, like, kind of positive mindset that you eventually learn as you do therapy, right? You kind of change your outlook and you're like, it's going to be fine. This is all good. It's a bump in the road. And it's stuff we literally always have to tell ourselves even after we're really far into our healing journey we always have to say that our feelings are always valid how we feel mm-hmm. is always valid it doesn't matter what people think you always have to that and it's not even what other people say honestly does not matter you have to validate yourself you have to be like you know what what i'm feeling is valid if nobody gets it that sucks i get it you know and just make it all about you because realistically it is about you this is something you're struggling with. So it's like what other people think, what other people say, it doesn't matter. It's just all about you in that self. That's when you have to be selfish and be like, you know, this is about me. I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to do what I need to do to take care of me, right? Sort of thing. So I think that's really important. Um, with those examples in mind, did you have like a specific thing that you felt like you needed to do to kind of alleviate that? Because I know like, you know, when I was 
obviously I didn't have OCD, but when I was going through my stuff, there were certain things I would look to do in order to kind of alleviate that state that I was in. So when you get those types of thoughts, is there something that you felt like you needed to do or you did to just kind of like reduce it? Kind of like, yeah. Yeah. I'd have like a mental ritual of if I had a bad thought, I'd have to neutralize it with a good thought so then it cancels out the bad thought yeah but at the end of the day the neutralizing didn't help and it didn't make it go away so I had to realize that neutralizing these thoughts weren't helping me and now that I don't neutralize anymore I do see a different perspective again like I said before of how to analyze these thoughts and look at them as not negative but just see them as thoughts yeah and yeah that's that's pretty much my story mm-hmm. well thank you for sharing this I know it's going to be very helpful because there's probably a lot of people out there that don't know what this is because they think of OCD as a specific way I know I learned a lot about it I I you know, I dove into the topic of OCD, like a little bit with my research, still not too far into it yet, as I've, as I've told you, but like, yeah, originally I did think it was just that, and it's not, it's so much more than that, so I think for the people that have the same thoughts, maybe this could be like a wake-up call and be like, okay, all right, this is, this might be what it is, let me, you know, check it out sort of thing, so I think it's really helpful that you showed a different side to it, because like I'm learning a lot just about this side of it um, as well. And I'm sure, you know, the intrusive thoughts, you know, it causes some anxiety as well. Um, I know there is usually a bit of anxiety associated with OCD, but especially with the intrusive thoughts, um, a little bit of anxiety um, as well with that. So I think, I think this was super important to discuss and I hope that it helps somebody if, I don't know, about you, but if somebody needs, I mean, I probably can't help too much with OCD, but if somebody needs any sort of help or advice or anything, um, I have my links in the description so you can send me a message about it. I don't know, Robin, if you are comfortable, if your DMs are open, if that's up yeah, to you. Yeah, 100%. If anyone has questions about it, I'm open to sharing some of the things I've been through and what I've learned. Perfect. So I will share a link to your Instagram so they can, if somebody wants to send you a message, they can. And then hopefully we can spread awareness. Well, we usually do spread awareness, but hopefully we can help somebody. I would love to do that. Um, Again, thank you so much for doing this. I'm really glad we did this and yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, Robin. (laughs) Bye. Bye.